welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here with our guest, Sean Martins, co-founder of Iron Sight. Sean, how's life up in the Great White North right now? It's probably not too white, but it might be with our weather we get up there. Yeah, it's great. So thanks for having me on, Justin. I appreciate it. And yeah, buddy, this is the time that you like being in Canada. So <laughs> yeah. Our weather so what's, is, what's the temperature right now? You're in Edmonton right now? I'm in downtown Edmonton. The weather, it's 23 degrees Celsius. So sun's out. Yeah. Sun's out. Your guns are out. Like <laughs> all the all the honeys are running around. It's perfect. Yeah. All, all the good stuff. Yeah. 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 You know, one thing I do miss about, so I'm here in Houston right now. One of the things I miss about Canada is is the seasons. And I don't miss like the winters that are long and cold and miserable. But there's a certain energy in the air when you go from winter to spring. Like the first day that it's it may only be like 12 degrees Celsius, but if it's sunny, it actually feels warm and everyone's out. They're in shorts and t-shirts, they're washing their cars, and everyone's so happy. And it's like you know what I mean? Like I always looked forward to that in the wintertime when that first day of spring hit, there was nice weather. It was like, it was like the life just changed, man. It was, there was always something to look forward to. Yeah. Cause you're coming out of the tundra for six months. So <laughs> yeah, I told another story. I was on a call the other day with another guy and he asked me, he was, he's from Houston. He said, how, how's the weather and how was your winter? And tell me a good story about how cold it is. I said, okay. So this winter I was in Lloyd Minister on a Tuesday, let's just say. Yeah. And it was minus 48 degrees Celsius. Oh. Coldest yeah. place on earth. It was that day it got declared. No I way. Drove, yeah. I drove that day from Lloyd to Calgary, Alberta. Yeah. And it was minus 49, the coldest place on earth. So oh. I hit back to back. So people <laughs> don't even like, I mean, for folks that don't like that is you, you can't like rig shut down for days. Oh, yeah the problems that you have and you know, the iron site platform, like you can see, like we can give insight into like their numbers and it was actually kind of a reset for a lot of the folk, a lot of our clients and said, Oh, well, if we can do it with like this many units and like, how can we do it before? So yeah, it was, I mean, it's crazy for sure. Yeah. A lot of people really don't understand it. And you know, it's like, I remember when I was working with precision drilling, we were on a rig there in Pincher Creek, which I'm sure you're familiar with hey, down, down just South of Calgary. South, there. Yeah. yeah. And the wind there is like none other. Like I've never experienced wind like I have down there. And it was minus 40 with a minus 60 wind chill one night. And we were rigging up. And yeah, it was like we had trucks lined up on the side of the lease. And everyone kept their trucks running. And and what we were doing is basically doing like five-minute intervals of like we had both rig crews. We'd 
we'd be in our trucks, you know, heat blasting, trying to stay warm. And then he'd be like, okay, you know, you'd see folk guys run back to their truck and then you, you'd almost play, you know, tag, like, okay, you're it, go. And you'd go out there for five minutes and work and do as much as you possibly could until you like really much couldn't think, feel your fingers and toes. And then you'd rip back to the truck and warm up and then someone else would book it out there until we got the boiler running and steam going and then, you know, to where the rig, you, you could find a place to warm up for a little bit. But the intense cold is, man, I do not miss that at all. And mind you down here, we get the heat. So when you're working and, you know, for us down here, you know, out in West Texas right now, I've got a rig that's, it was 104 the other day. And that's like, I think 45 Celsius, maybe around there. I mean, that's, so it's certainly, you know, you get, you know, the extremes one way or another in the oil field. I feel yeah. Like. I would say like, we have a lot of friends in Arizona and in and, and Texas and stuff. And I mean, it's the exact same, right? Like in the winter time, you don't go outside or you, I mean, you don't, you only go outside if you have to, you talk to people, I'm sure in West Texas or in Texas right now, they're, we only go outside if we have to. Otherwise, yeah. we're in shade or we're in air conditioning. So I, yeah, <laughs> it, it's just I think heat is a little bit more tolerable because you don't actually feel a lot of pain compared yeah. to my, like when the wind's blowing and it's minus thirty five out. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's true, man. Well, before we get going, I just want to highlight some of the neat technology provided by our new sponsor for the Oil and Gas Onshore Podcast. So Technip FMC is our new sponsor. So a big shout out to them. Their Speedlock XT system is a fully digitalized hydraulic singular connector that remotely and safely connects and disconnects wireline pressure control equipment from the frack tree during frack operations. This system eliminates manual red zone operations to improve safety, operational efficiency, and predictability on the frack pads. So if anyone out there is interested in finding out more, I got a link in the show notes that you can click on. And again, thanks to Technip FMC for all the support. So Sean, before we get going, talking about, you know, all the nuts and bolts and the juice, how's life post quarantine, man? I mean, you, you're running a company, you're trying to drum up business and you're stuck in your house for a lack of better terms. I mean, what's it like now being out here at your office today? I mean, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So post, uh, I can maybe talk about the, yeah, the start yeah. of the pandemic and COVID and, and everything, you know, Adam and I, so that's my partner and co-founder. We started a service company in 2014. Okay. Doing what? We had a bunch of heavy equipment. So like vac trucks, pressure trucks, fluid haulers. So we are oil field service guys. We came for that. Adam was a production engineer. I actually work for a large EMP company as I'm a journeyman electrician by trade. We came together in 2014. We're you know, entrepreneurial at heart. Said there's got to be a better way. So anyways, go on. And, and the first day we did our first ever job. So we got paid. We were super excited. Oil dropped 10%. So in our office here, we have that field ticket that we did for that day. And then we have the price of oil chart and uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it dropped. So, <laughs> you know, where I'm going with that is, you know, we've been pretty resilient guys from day one. So we shifted 2015. We built this in-house tool called, it was just to manage our operations and connect with our customers. You know, maybe we say we're a bit, we are a bit ahead of our time when we did this. A big shout out to Adam. You know, he kind of flipped his life around. He was working his day job. And then at night he was working with, we've got to build a, the concept and like the MVP built offshore. So he was working with guys in India on nights. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, like he was working 20 hours a day. And now, you know, so that we went from there. And then in 2017, we focused and kind of shifted all of our heavy equipment out into another company. And, and they're off and running today still. But we had this piece of software and we had our, we had, we landed our first client who, you know, just happened to be one of the biggest oil and gas 
producers in the world. So we've been up and running with them since 2017. And then, you know, we got a couple more clients and we shifted the business and commercialized. And, you know, we are a company now, which is Ironsight. But again, we see this as another event in our life. Yeah. You know, you don't see, you know, if you're a big, large EMP company, if you're a, you know, one of the large service companies, if you're a mid-sized service company, if you're a mid-sized EMP, you are talking about how you can do things more efficiently and digital, you know, you read all these Bloomberg articles and CNBC stuff. And, you know, they're saying that, you know, if it's a 500 or $5 billion energy tech market, you know, two years ago, they're saying five years from now, it's going to be 500 million wow. market size. Right. So I think everybody's just focusing on digital and how they can do things more efficiently. And, and Ironsight just kind of feeds perfectly into that. Justin. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, you know, the COVID, we've never had more interest. We, we have large EMP companies reaching out to us. Yeah. Wow. As we dial up a bit more marketing and as we gain a bit more market share and as we gain, you know, a bit of momentum doing stuff like this today, you know, it's exciting for us. Yeah. No kidding. No, that's, that's good. So, I mean, talk a little bit more about like quarantine. So like, cause you guys, how long has Ironside been in business? Yeah. So Ironside is a company that's been going since, like I said, 2014 as a service company. Right. But standalone, we've been going for just over three years now. Okay. So, and you'll have to excuse my ignorance. For some reason, I thought you guys were a startup by that. I mean, I thought you guys recently got kicked off, but so, cause what I was going was, is like, you know, a company that gets started off and then all of a sudden you, you start a company and this quarantine thing hits, but regardless, I mean, so well, then let me ask you this, like, how is the downturn for you guys? Like, how have you managed it? And, and how did you learn from, say, three years ago? Were there any huge takeaways from back then than, than there is now? Because, you know, the effects are similar where everyone's, you know, slowing down, trying to get cheaper, trying to get faster, trying to get, you know, more efficient. What were the biggest takeaways that you guys experienced for during these downturns? And then obviously right now we're still in one, so to speak. Yeah, no, I, I think we've just learned to be, be resilient. Yeah. And make, we always try, like we try not to do anything that doesn't bring value. For sure. We don't try to be a, just another sale or just another implementation. Like everywhere we go, we want to create value for our clients. Yep. And we've, we've actually had folks, we've, we've mutually agreed. Like, I mean, what we can't provide a ton of value to you. I don't know if it's a good fit and where, you know, maybe our competitors or maybe other people out there would say, Oh, we'll just, it's more revenue, more rep. We don't believe that's lasting. Like that doesn't last long, Justin. So like that's resilient, but that comes with a lot of, lot of hard work. We got a really good team here at Iron Sight, you know, based out of Edmonton, uh, you know, we have 13 employees and, and moving into the U S mm-hmm. so we'll, I think we'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah, everywhere we go, I guess in short is be resilient and you know, everywhere you bring value. truly bring cold, hard value to the companies that you're working with. No. And I think that speaks volumes. And I do want to talk a little bit about that, but I also want to kind of talk more on the personal level, man. So you're up in Edmonton. Where did you grow up again? Yeah. I grew up in a small town Northeast, three hours Northeast of Edmonton called Cold Lake, Alberta. So it's right on the Alberta, Saskatchewan border. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's oil field country up there, right? Yeah. Everything about it is oil country. A lot like uh, I would say the West Texas or Everything's embedded into it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, what was life like growing up around there? I mean, is it because it's a pretty small town up there, right? I like, think, what did you do growing up for fun? I mean, what, 
what does that look like? Cause a lot of the listeners are from the U S and so I guess you, they'd probably be curious what it's like growing up in kind of middle of nowhere, Alberta. <laughs> yeah. What did I do growing up? I mean, I, I was a very active, played ton of sports. So hockey for sure. Winter time, you know, played pretty competitive hockey, played a lot of baseball in the summertime. Good for you, man. Our County or our MDR geographics called Lakeland. So, you know, there's 25 good freshwater, like deep lakes where you can go a ton of fishing, you know, everyone's kind of got a boat and you're done around. And then yeah, like work-wise, everything is related to oil and gas. So you might own an, you might be an accountant, but 95% of your clients are like, you know, a rig welder or Sean Martin's the electrician, like everything is to do with, with oil and gas. Yep. I'd like to stay on that point. And so I left Alberta in 2010 and things were still relatively strong with regards to the oil field relative to how they are now. How would you describe for the folks out there? Like we always hear, I mean, like I looked, so just for, for, for reference, I was with a customer the other night who's from Calgary, who works for a big operator who, who operates in Canada and the U S and we were looking at the rig count and there was like 21 rigs in Canada right now, which is just pitiful. How would you describe for the listeners out there what, like how the oil field has negatively evolved over the last, say, 10, even five years? Like what kind of challenges are you guys faced with right now? And how does that affect the town that you grew up in? Yeah, I'll maybe give you a stat that's quite alarming. I, you know, 13% of the houses on the market in Coal Lake are foreclosures. Wow. 13. It's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. ton of friends that lost jobs. Cold Lake, I would say, is a bit different than, you know, maybe a, a town like Lloyd Minister where it's all heavy oil and, you know, you know, you need a ton of rigs to be working. Cold Lake, there's some big, big operators. So, you know, they do, you know, they're not shutting down and, they, you know, they might, they're slowing down. So maybe cutting workforce a ton, but, you know, they're still going to need day-to-day services and, and then that. But yeah, it's scary. I mean, in an economy that thrives or that drives, you know, a lot of our country, I would say like you know, our region and in our province and Western Canada, you know, it it feeds a lot of the country in Canada. So it's pretty frustrating. You know, I'm not a big political guy, but yeah, it's disheartening to see for sure. So, I mean, are there a lot of people out there trying to help change the perception that, and again, I know you said you're not very big on political stuff, but like even just locally, like are people doing, cause like down here, one of the challenges that we have is is to change the mindset amongst people who are anti oil and gas and who are more specifically anti fracking and really educating people on you know looking at the mouse on my for my computer like there's feedstock that goes into making these products is is our oiling and gas hydrocarbon products and so like is there a big push up there to like try and educate people on that to help change the mindset or or is it just like, is the rest of the country just continuing to put their foot down, you know, not allow pipelines to go in and who are like anti-oil and gas? Because to me, it seems like talking to buddies who work downtown Calgary, you know, I got a real close friend who works for Chevron. I mean, hell, look at Incana, which is Ovintive now. They've gone out of there. I mean, is oil and gas a dying breed up there? I mean, how do you see that? Yeah, I- I don't think it's a dying breed at all. I think it's just misconception. So I think you nailed it on the head. Like a lot of these folks, I don't know, is, is there a more responsible producer in oil and gas than the U.S. and Canada? You know, you look at some of the no. other countries. That's what, <laughs> so again, I don't want to go heavy into the detail. Like 
my pity. I, I try to refrain from that. And of, of I, course. Try to just, I try to listen and just kind of educate myself a lot about it. But right. like, would I rather have a bear oil come out of, you know, Canada where it's, you know, like they're fiscally responsive and people don't, maybe that's where you educate them and in, in like the environmental regulations and the, the reporting and, you know, the safety qualifications, like, like oil and gas, it's not going anywhere. Like there's yeah, no we way need it, right? The it, demand no is way there. it's going anywhere. So, and demand is only, I don't know if it's only going up, but it, it's definitely flatlining or, or is going up. So yeah, uh, no, you, you, you look at that and it's just, it's just frustrating to people that just kind of spew off without educating themselves. And you don't like, I'd say that they, like we should be proud of the way we do things. You know, everyone makes a good living. Everyone can afford that, you know, buy a boat or enjoy your life. And, I think you're right. Like there's a lot of like, people just need to educate themselves and see truly how this happens. And it feels like you're doing something wrong, which it right. shouldn't. When, right. when the country needs it or the continent needs it and the world needs it. Like I agree. Like just look at what's going on with these big CEOs. Like they're mandating 2020 you know, 2025. They want to reduce greenhouse gas by 30%. Like that's basically every EMP company said that 2050 they want to be net zero. Like look what Shell just announced, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're talking like net zero, like the products that they, the products that they supply, like engine oil, they're counting that they want to get to net zero off of that. So yeah, like what other industry, if people are that committed to improving, like that's improvement, that is no kidding. Hey, what other industry is doing that? Like no one <laughs> else is making and that you, you don't think that comes with like a financial burden on all these companies yeah i don't know it is man and it's a crazy topic and again this certainly isn't a platform for a political rant but but it's certainly i think it's a conversation that needs to be had and it's things like we need to create awareness around that to like you said help educate people and hopefully people will do their due diligence to help make smart decisions from a voting perspective, I think a lot of it comes down to that. But again, you know, we'll switch gears here. But I'm just interested as, as a fellow Canadian, kind of always interested in talking to the guys and girls up there on, on their thoughts on things because it's affected a lot of even, you know, close family and friends that I have up there. And I mean, everyone's affected and, and it's all, you know, it's certainly relative. But my heart goes out to those who have been affected by you know, the drop in activity and, and people sit on the sidelines who obviously in your, you know, your example, they're not being able to pay their mortgages or whatever the case may be. But yeah, hopefully things, you know, slowly start turning around and, and we can flourish like we have in the past. But anyway, so let's get back more to Ironsight and you kind of described it, but but why get into sort of the tech side of it? Where What was the driving force there that really made you decide, I'm going to take a, a ton of risk, right? Because anytime you leave, I mean, I was looking at your LinkedIn. I think you worked for ConocoPhillips at one time. You certainly had a good career path, but then you just decided to give it all up and do your own thing. So what, what was the mindset there that actually made you go ahead and do it? Stupidity, maybe? Yeah. I, no, like you said. I, There's I a fine give, line between stupidity and brilliance. Brilliance, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I would probably be teetering on that. <laughs> yeah, like you said, I had a good I had a good gig going working for Conoco and yeah, I had a, a good, you know, maybe a good career path ahead of me and, and I, I enjoyed it. But I, I wasn't always, I stood by, if there was a better way to do things, I always, I found it tough to not act on it if if it wasn't there. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I took that leap of faith. Yeah, but there's got to be an easier way. That was yeah. kind of the driving force. I seen that niche and Adam, you know, partner, he was exact same mindset. He, we're kind of the yin and yang. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I bring a lot of the ideas and you know, kind of the concept, but Adam is very good at like putting it together. So cool. 
could you think of a better match and how that works? So we really do well together on that aspect. And and, and truly about Ironside, we've just seen that that struggle. Like why? Here's a good thing to think about. Why should it be hard for an EMP company, so the customer, to give someone money? Yeah. Okay? That's <laughs> right? what it is. Why can you order a taxi that's a $20 service and it's the easiest thing in the world now with Uber, right? Like, yeah. That is an absolute game changer. Like, why can't it be easy for us or for oil field services where, you know, that bill could be $1,000, two, three, five, 10, 15, 20. Good point. That's kind of what we're doing, right? Like, why can't it, why should, it should be easier, the more expensive, right? Now with Iron Sights, we connect, you know, that demand, you pull up, you know, the customer side of things and you, who, what, where, when, why. I need this tomorrow. I need this. And we're getting more and more integrated into stuff. But that request goes into a, you know, a centralized dispatch hub where the EMP company, you know, kind of, they say like onboard these vendors and this is who we want to work with. And, and then it goes out to the service provider. So you're connecting people, you're, you're bridging that gap. And that's our mission statement is to bridge the gap between oil and gas producers and their service providers while lowering OPEX. So yep. You come together and everything you're doing now, like it's direct communication. So that customer that needed something, that needs something, he's, instead of talking to five or 10 different people, like now he's talking to directly to the guy providing the service. So he's going to get a better service. He's going to be more efficient, you know, less waiting around. And, And we have proven results that, you know, just by doing, simplifying a very complex, which oil field services is as a complex beast. Yep. We can uh, you simplify it, and and we can we have proven results to do that to lower opex. So. Yeah, yeah, no, and that that's certainly like you said, adding value. I mean, it touches on a lot of that. So right now, I mean, how for you guys, what's the biggest challenge on getting out there and getting it in more hands of these ENPs? I mean, is it telling your story? Is it is it marketing? Is it are are you technically limited? I mean, touch a little bit on on some of the stuff that you're trying to overcome and, and just a real, you know, behind the scenes type of stuff without getting the dirty dirty. But but I mean right now, because it's hard to get in front of customers. Like and for me as a salesman, that's one of the things that I'm having to overcome is like how do I tell, you know, the AES drilling fluid story without, you know, going for lunches and coffees. And, and I mean, cause there's a little bit of that happening, but, but what does that look like for you? I mean, is it tough to get in front of people to tell the story behind Ironsight? Yeah. So I think it's hard to one get folks, you know, is this change for them? So, you know, yeah. maybe a product like yours, Justin, like on the AES fluid, you know, if they're drilling well, they need drilling mud, right? Yeah. What our story is, is you got to kind of adapt and change your way of thinking. So we're actually quite, they're fortunate. Like a lot of our clients that you can see right away, they they get it or they don't. And and Mm. it's quite like we're having a a decent succession rate that, okay, I get it. So we're really working on how do we bring that value and and presenting it in a way that folks want to see it. So, you know, doing a lot of, we can do a lot of interactive demos. So I just did one yesterday with an EMP company in the Bakken. I added him as a customer and just showed him. He downloaded the app. It's all for free. And he's like, holy, like that's all it took for me to request a fluid hauler. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And then I dispatched it. And then I showed him that he can, I used my partner as the, you know, he would have been the fluid hauler driver and I showed him and he was driving around. So you could actually see him moving around Edmonton. He was in the Bakken, but on his phone, he was watching Adam drive around. And so, you know, like small stuff like that's like simplifying that mega beast problem that, yeah. Yeah. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff, Justin. And that's the beauty about software is you can scale it. And, and you know, like we do, you know, we do free trials to bring that value. So we'll come down, we'll onboard you 
And you can see right away, day one, when that first request comes in and it's not in an email form or a text message or a screenshot or a call, and it just comes into the into your hub and you, oh, easy, move it on to your service provider. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this isn't that bad. And then, you know, the progression starts where you, you get into, I wish you could, could it pull cost centers from our ERP system? Actually, yeah, I can. Oh, well, that should eliminate like 30% of ticket problems. Yeah, it should, because it'll be the exact cost center that, you know, that fluid hauler has that you want him to bill to when he goes and bills. Oh, okay. So, and then, oh, you, we can do a digital field ticket. So that operator now in the field is like a click of a button, that fluid hauler uploads the bill up into the cloud, gets approved. They have access to the cloud. So they're pulling it down. Oh, so there's no more paper copies of anything. Like, yeah. So it's that kind of stuff that like, and, and, and doing more of these Justin's and talking and, yeah. you know, getting it out to the people. So yeah, we, you know, just a lot of that, that, that would be challenges is like, you got to adopt to this new digital way, but yeah, I'm trying to simplify that. Yeah. Right. No. And then to me, I mean, there's, you kind of going through that sort of scenario, a lot of light bulbs went off. And I think, so for a lot of the folks out there that may not have the, the experience operationally, how would you simplify the scope of work? Like, let's say I work for, you know, OGGN oil and gas. What would be a, a typical scope of work for me if I'm having a challenge to then be like, you know what? I think Iron Sight's got the solution. Like, can you help, you know, because I think that would help folks understand like, yes, that's something that I need. Like you've described it, but can you simplify it at all? Yeah, absolutely. So let's just go, let's make it very simple. The, I'm a lease operator, pumper, I don't, whatever the term is. I'm the guy in the field checking the wells. Okay. And I need a roustabout crew. You know, I got to pick up, there's some old tools and some old rod and, and a pump on the ground. Yep. Before, I would say most of the guys' workflow would have been try to call around or just maybe don't even do it and it, uh, it'll get taken care of later or call around and, hey, can you come out and do this? Or, hey, can you do this? And then it, you just, okay, yeah. And then there's nothing, yeah. right? Like hopefully it gets done or I'll check back probably every day for the next two weeks. I'm going to drive by that. Oh, it's not done yet. Not done yet. So now that individual will just fire a request in. To Ironsight. Yeah, into Ironsight, into the platform. So, the, the, you know, they've adopted it. So, you know, it goes into the that, to that hub. I, so I'm I need, on, so you're, you're, on, you're on the site, you go on your platform, you say, I need a roustabout crew. Submit. Yeah, yeah okay. I need this roustabout crew. Can I get it done tomorrow? And then there's a details page. You know, I've seen this and I've seen that, I've seen this. So yep. that, that request goes in. Great. Whoever, like however the workflow is set up for that EMP company, but you know, that job goes in, someone's looking about it. So they know, you know, they're making data driven decisions now. So they know the, the proximity, they know the hourly rates, they know the availability, they know the equipment capabilities, past performance of all their service companies that are running around in that field for them and, and all over. So that job that that lease op would have put in, he takes that, he knows, oh, I got a crew that's five miles away they actually can get on it right now because they're so close. Like, you know, a dead haul, like that's not good in anybody's business is going back empty. Yeah. Oh, well they can just swing in. It might be an extra three, four hours, but great. Perfect. He's going to go in. He'll sign that to that crew out in that, you know, let's just call it West Texas field. By doing that, he updated the customer. So that lease operator that uh, inputted the job with a simple push notification back onto his phone or his tablet or his laptop. Okay. It's actually getting done. It's got scheduled to the XYZ service provider. Follow along if you want to track them. Right. If 
by that, you know, the dispatch hub, when they sent that out to that roustabout crew, they got a push notification. Oh, that's our next job. And then, you know, dispatcher might have, you can chat within the whole platform. So that customer now is linked to the dispatch hub, but also linked to that operator or the roustabout crew. So they can like three-way chat, they can individual chat, they can do all that and kind of be more efficient. So that crew would have got it. And then they go active by pushing a button. They're active on the job. Again, status change from, you know, scheduled to active. That would have sent out a push notification to everybody involved in there. And they're off and running. So, you know, that roustabout crew, all they need is a phone. And, you know, they would have been told to be onboarded from, you know, that EMP company. And we just, it's a simple, you know, we can onboard them in less than an hour. So they're off and running. Yeah. And then everybody stays in the loop and the service company's happy because they just got a couple more hours, right? That, that job that needs to be done, that customer. So that lease operator, he's happy because he's staying in the loop and he knows what's going on and his, the work that he needs done is getting done. And the EMP company's saving money because you know, what, what might've happened the next day is they might've called out a crew to go do that. Plus the other work that needs to go on and they don't have really any kind of line of sight of their costs and Yep. So everybody kind of wins there. No way. No, that's huge. And so jobs done, we hit some, you know, you know, job executed, check the mark. And then does your guys' software like platform then do like the billing as well? Or or is it there's a lot of back end stuff that is is also happening too? Yeah. So that's a simple workflow, but everything, you know, we could talk for hours about the back end stuff. But yeah, okay, yeah. Route, let's use that roast about crew. They would have Create it like click of a button, they create a field ticket, okay, which gets uploaded into the cloud so that they can get approval and they can bill right away. Like I so I like I mentioned earlier, the EMP company knows what they got billed, but the service company they would have access to the cloud and they could pull that down and, and they get a bill. They can we've ran a ton of scenarios where they're billing like two, three hours after the work is even completed. Wow, that's so awesome, can, man. If you can think of and that's an approved ticket from from your EMP company, so yeah, you know, cash flow instead of what normally we run scenarios, it's usually like two to three days after because it's a paper copy has got to go in. It's got to get set PDF sent over for approval. Yeah. You know, everything's happening on this platform. So those are big wins. And yeah, like I mentioned to you, I think before that we did the podcast was, you know, once an EMP company's Ironside enabled or onboarded, you know, his peer. So another EMP company that's right beside him we're able to now link their platforms together and, and, you know, they don't see what's going on, but they can see, they can share resources and just truly really optimize what, you know, our industry really needs to do is do more with less. So that's just yeah. some of the stuff that's, you know, bigger picture and that is happening today is, is that peer to peer sharing. And, and it seems to be getting a lot of traction because yeah. everybody you talk to knows that they, you know, that's a, been a problem for a long time. They just never really had that platform to execute it. So. Yeah, no, that, that really clears things up and I'm sure it helps people understand like, you know, how easy it really is. Like, cause it kind of sounds confusing unless you've been involved with these types of scopes of work and, but man, no, that that's huge. So, I mean, with that being said, what, what would you say the future looks like for you guys? I mean, you're making some headway here in the U S I mean, you know, if you had a crystal ball in five years, like what, what is this thing going to turn into and what's your ultimate plan do you think yeah so i mean five years down the road and who knows yeah <laughs> right here's how we see it though at iron if you don't adopt digital you know i, I think you're going to be left behind so that's one i think that and that's you know not coming from me that's just me listening to other the ceos and the, and these companies public releases yeah i would say you know how uber works right it's very like anybody you just need you can go get onboarded with uber and, and provide a service 
Well, oil and gas doesn't work like that. You need to have MSAs. You need to have safety programs. So you, there's a lot more, the barrier to entry is a lot harder. You need to have that. So, you know, we see us being that, you know, Uber, but the oil field side. Where Perfect. I love it. We call it the marketplace in, in our vision. And what that's our term we use is, like I said, the peer-to-peer is happening. But just imagine an environment where it's like you're out in the field and, and you could be working for XYZ EMP and then, you know, YYC EMP is right beside and, and you're just it, like everything's flowing and, you know, people are just working and you're doing it very efficient and everybody kind of you're hitting all their their pain points so i mean that's five years down the road we see that if not sooner if it gets pulled ahead that's great but yeah just adopting that digital way and in that front end capture you know that 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 field presence and you know like you know shell has a mandate to like you know digitize their operations by in five years so we doing stuff we're doing this today is we can tie into a SCADA system and a prime workflow example for that is if a tank's at 70%, that's sending an alarm back to an HMI, like sending it back to their command center saying, ding, 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 you know, tank's at 70%. We, wow. can, actually, we can actually hook into that SCADA system, sends a node into, our, into the iron site, which would create a job request to, for that fluid hauler, which might be, he might be 20 miles away. Oh, yeah. okay, we're at 70%, be more efficient, send that over to that truck driver into that, that hauler and wow, wow you're off and running. Oh, and, no and, kidding. Oh, maybe there's a drilling rig that needs, you know, five cubes hauled. Okay. Well, perfect. It's just optimizes it I to see, the end no, degree. The whole supply chain can, can ultimately be ran through something like this, I feel like. And so that's pretty neat, man. I really give it up to you guys and I'm excited to talk to you. I mean, we'll talk before then, but in five years to see, I mean, hopefully the crystal ball just completely gets blown up with even greater things. But what would you say? I mean, right now, like, what do you like most about your job and like what you're doing? I love the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I love when people say, you know, it can't be done. It actually fuels me even more. It's scary. And again, maybe that's that stupidity brilliance that we're, we're floating on here. Yeah. <laughs> but I've had a million people tell me, like, even like, like, what are you doing, Sean? Like, you're leaving your job and, you know, make good money and you're going to do this. And I just love, and, and it's fun to be part of something that, that changing the industry. I almost, you get tears in your eyes sometimes when, you know, you look back in our first ever app release into the app store. It's like, would I ever... You know, I, I can guarantee you 99% of my graduating class would said that Sean would never have had an app released into the app store that I'm part <laughs> yeah. of. So like, I just love that. Yeah, buddy. No, that's so cool. And it just being more efficient. I think that's just, you know, I, I've always, even, like I said, when I was working at Conoco and, and you just like, man, there's got to be a better way. So you, I just love solving those problems. And, yeah. Good for you, man. No, that's a, that's a great answer. Well, before we we get off here, there's a few other questions that I wanted to ask you and, you know, more on a personal level, just for people to to get to know a little bit more about you. But I mean, what's something about you that not many people know about? I mean, do you have any hidden secrets or any just unique hobbies or kind of something that can can put a smile on someone's face that, that maybe they wouldn't have known otherwise? Oh, put a smile on people's face. Okay, so I'm a journeyman electrician. Like I, I kind of maybe just gave that story a bit. Yeah, I'm a journeyman electrician. What else is there? Yeah, I got two awesome boys that are six and eight. Yeah, one of them is a like he he loves to like read a book. Okay, you know maybe that doesn't come from me. Maybe it doesn't come <laughs> from my wife Charity. Like 
And then he loves to bull ride. <laughs> so okay. we got a kid that, yeah, like that puts a smile in a lot of people's faces. He loves to read a book and then he like loves to go out and, you know, what we, we call mutton busting. So he used to ride yeah. like that. So yeah. Do you bull ride? Are you a bull rider? No, I love it. The big thing up here is chuck wagons. I'm sure you know that at the Stampede. Oh yeah. I follow those heavily, but never even been on a horse and I love horse racing and yeah, that's something maybe yeah that's something there you go yeah. you're a big you love horse racing that's see i knew yeah, i'd pull something out talent. Of there you go yeah right i, I do i, I would have never thought like if i looked at you and be like mm, sean likes horse racing so there you go that i yeah. figured i'd pull something out of you it just took cool. a minute there to get to it but no that's awesome man there's a lot of folks down here that are big into horse racing i'm sure you know all about that but well one other question i have is i mean you just mentioned it you got two boys you know married up running a company. I mean, you're go, go, go. Do you have any daily habits or routines that keep you grounded that either help you unplug or decompress or recharge? I mean, is, and, and that could be as simple as, you know, waking up and having a cup of coffee before you turn your phone on or whatever that looks like. Do you have anything that you commit to every day that kind of keeps you in the zone? Yeah. One of my rule like, that I try and I aspire to is I want to be the first in the office every single day. I love, I love waking up at always have my entire life. I love waking up at five in the morning, yep. um, getting to work. I'm the most productive from five thirty till seven o'clock or eight o'clock. Yeah. I get more done in that time. My mind thinks straight. So I take advantage of that. Good for you. And then I do have a, like over the last four years, you know, Adam and I, we've talked about this a lot. It's like, we got to learn to decompress because it's really, you know, we're not our best when we're working nonstop. And you know, there's still a lot of nights where, you know, it's 11 o'clock and we're going back and forth on a product design or a, a messaging system or whatever, but you know, learning to take the time and enjoy, enjoy the smaller things in our life. So kids, you know, that time from six o'clock to eight o'clock, like let's, you know, if it's urgent, you know, let's get some folks to help us out with it. But if not, like if it can wait till, you know, the morning or the night, like, yeah, just enjoying that, you know, that later time in the day and with our family and kids and, and yep. just for ourselves too, right? Like take a breath, have yeah. a beer. Yeah. No, <laughs> relax it's, a little you know, bit. It, some, yeah. You're right. Cause like I always say, you can't pour from an empty cup. And if you, yeah, that's a great term actually. Yep. And I've learned to do that. I mean, involved with drilling operations since the early two thousands. I mean, my brain, if I let it would not turn off too. I mean, there's always a bit turning to the right 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And I'm, you know, somewhat responsible for the overall operation and in, in certain, you know, with certain customers. And so learning to, to, to take time for yourself and especially with kids, man, you can't replace time with money, man. And you got to enjoy that because at the end of the day, when, you know, you and me, and I mean, it's inevitable, one day we're going to be on our deathbeds and, and we don't want to look back and be like, you know what, shit, I should have spent more time with my kids because now, you know, those memories are gone and, and there's no opportunity to do that. And cool. I made a company that provided, a, you know, people with jobs and, but, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just really, like you said, taking a little bit of time each day to take advantage of those smaller things in life. Cause, cause that's really what it's all about. And then like I tell my wife, like I need to take time for myself. Cause if I'm not the best version of myself, I can't give the best version of myself to you, my kids. And if I'm constantly wound up and stressed out, I'm going to be a shitty husband and a shitty dad. And and you talk to a lot of folks that grew up in an oil field family or, you know, military or any, any job that requires like constant attention. I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, Oh, all dad did was work. Like that scares me to friggin' death. And so like, I have to be mindful of that when I go home to leave my phone 
you know, in the kitchen or somewhere is where I'm not around it. Cause it's so easy to just naturally grab and look at it. Cause I get emails every 30 seconds. So, you know, it's just, it's a great conversation. And I, and I think that, you know, a lot of people use working their ass off as a badge of honor, but you need to really have somewhat of a balance or at least try to have one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm fully prepared. Like we talk about this a lot. We're fully prepared to really, you know, really go hard here and, and take it serious and commit to this. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like I would enjoy, I would like my boys to say when yeah, my dad worked a lot and he worked hard, but he committed to it. Yeah. I think that instills good values in people, but hundred percent. Yeah, but also, you be- for example, like we go out this weekend, it was like, Hey, there's not a lot going, you know, taking your kids to the batting cage and uh, taking your kids yeah. to fish and like, so I think there's just a balance there. And, and yeah, so that's, that, you know, my morning things is it's pretty like, I, I enjoy that. I, but then also it, it lets you kind of breathe a little bit at night and, yeah. No, that's great, man. I love that answer. Before we get going here, I do want to take a few moments to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. Hey, everybody. Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And for all the listeners out there, yes, we're back in action. We had our first game last week, which was the beginning of June. So we had a great turnout. So anyone that can throw skates on and can skate around a little bit, we encourage you to come join. And if you're looking to get in shape for over the summer, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. You know, I'm slightly biased towards my Canadian brotherhoods and I hope you guys nothing but the best and success. And if there's anything that we can do to support you and your initiatives, man, we're, we're here for you and looking forward to seeing you. I know you come down to Houston every once in a while and hopefully once this thing clears up, we'll be able to meet in person and grab a beer or coffee and catch up some more, buddy. Yeah, no, I know. I greatly appreciate it, Justin. And yeah, you guys have been great to help us and kind of, you know, get that movement down in there. So we, we appreciate it. Awesome. Well, what I'll do is I'll put your LinkedIn link in the show notes and then along with Ironsight's website in there. So if anyone's interested, they can hit you up on there. And certainly if anyone has questions my way, I'll shoot them to you. And other than that, man, you got any closing last words for all the listeners out there, buddy? No, I just, if you're interested, give me 30 minutes of your time and, you know, we can have a talk and an interactive session and we'll prove to you that, you know, there is an easier way to do things. So give us a call. Awesome, man. Well, for all the listeners out there, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to down. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.